Hey there, welcome to Matamu, a podcast where we explore with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries in celebration of the human experience. I am your co-host, Bob Spurl. I'll be joined by my co-host, Greg Traverso, and also a guest that we had on the show previously, Man Algut. Man is uh, going to continue the conversation with us where he describes escaping from Kuwait during the invasion by Iraq in 1990 into Saudi Arabia. He escapes and he tells us this journey that led him from the deserts of, of Arabia to the redwood forests of Northern California. Uh, it is a great story. It's a great uh, second part of our podcast. So without further ado, here we are. I know on the long run, Kuwait will be independent again, will get, will be liberated again. I had no doubt in that. But how long is it going to take? I didn't know. Finally, I looked at my mom. I was 29 years old, a son of an ambassador. I have pictures of my father and George Herbert Bush uh, in, in 1984. When my dad came to see me in the States, uh, my father was a very good friend of the former president, uh, George Herbert Bush, the father. Uh, they met in China. So I have pictures of him. And uh, so I decided to bury those pictures. Uh, I was 29 years old, Kuwaiti, uh, son of an ambassador. I was a target, uh, you know. Mm. As a male. So I looked at my mom, I looked at my sisters, and I said, I think I need to go. I need to go to Saudi Arabia. Of course, the Iraqis are controlling the checkpoints to Saudi Arabia. Uh, they want people to leave, actually, because they want to take, you know, they want to erase the Kuwaiti identity and take over. So I decided to go, and I said, I know the risk, but I know if I stay, uh, I might lose my life. And I don't want to be shot by, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't live all this life just to be shot by a 15-year-old uh, popular army soldier uh, just having a bad day. So my aunt knew that I was going to leave. So she said, uh, there's your uh, uh, Sam, my uh, far, uh, I've known her from far uh, family, and her kids, they want to leave too. Can you take them out uh, of Kuwait? Can you score them out? And I said, uh, yes, as long as, you know, they understand the risks, you know, uh, I'll be happy to do that. So I went to my aunt's house. We slept over and it was uh, the mother and the three kids. The youngest was uh, born in March of 1990. So he's like six months old. Uh, actually, a little bit, yeah, from March to uh, November, and uh, three-year-old and an uh, eight-year-old. So we decided the next morning we leave, and I just bought a, a French car, a Renault. My dad bought me a French car, a Renault, uh, and uh, 
did the job for until I reached Saudi Arabia. But we decided to go and we left at six o'clock in the morning. And there was a long, long line um, ahead of us to the border, about maybe three miles. And then we continued until about 10 o'clock in the morning. And with there are three cars in front of us. And we're just about to leave, our, our turn to leave to Saudi Arabia. And the Iraqis are checking every car. And, and uh, they said the border is closed. Everybody goes back. Uh, I was, at that point, I... <laughs> I, I, I got some courage that I don't know where I got it from. I got out of the car. I went to the soldier, an Iraqi soldier, and I said, look, I have, a, I, have a I have a mother and three kids, and we've been here for about four hours. And we're about three, three cars away. He said, well, you know, the Iraqi soldier responded to me. He said, well, the Saudis closed the border too. I said, well, you know, he said, come tomorrow. I said, I'll come tomorrow, but I've been waiting for four hours. So that I remember that soldier, he gave me a little piece of paper and a signature. He was a high-ranking guy. He said, you come tomorrow, I'll put you in the front. Went back, next day we came, I showed one of the soldiers the, the card, and they, they put us in the front. Big guy came to, the, we're ready to leave. The guy came in and next to me, the mother and the three kids. And the soldier looks at me and he goes, uh, your IDs. So I gave him my uh, draft ID. You know, when you, when you go to the draft, you know, I gave him my citizenship card. They have to take all your documents. So they, they you know, uh, you're no longer a Kuwaiti, you know. Mm. I gave him everything, but I had I had on the top of the car, I had my birth certificate. I hid it on the, on the top of the car. And then the steering wheel, I had a little money. And he goes, do you have any money? I said, I, I have little money just for the kids and until we get settled. He told me, open the steering wheel. And he, mm. Really? Yeah. And he got the money. And he said, go to the room. So I went to the room and the kids and the mother sitting in the car, I went in a special room and the guy was just like, uh, he was like, I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, I control you. And they searched me and everything. And then with bad words, he said, go, leave. At that point, I didn't care about the bad words or, you know, I just went, I went to go, you know, and go to safety, that's all. So I went there, I opened the gate, I went and the road between the borders, there is like a neutral zone between Saudi Arabia and uh, Kuwait. There's a little road. It's, it's, it's cut in half, like this way and this way and this way and this way. So you have to drive in a zigzag because they don't want the tanks, the Americans to get, get in easily. They were, they were, you know, just 
the way they did it, just like like World War II. You know, they have that the old mentality of the Soviets and the Russians, and this is where the Iraq and 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 Russia uh, and the Ba'ath Party and the Soviets back then that uh, was the biggest ally of them. So we had to go back and forth, back and forth, uh, in a zigzag way, if I may use the expression. And then we reached to a checkpoint. The Saudis were there, and at that point, I just like. I was like, oh, my God, first time I see a Saudi and I'm happy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and a uh, few questions who we are and, you know, Kuwait is a small community. So there were Kuwaitis with them from the, from the interior, uh, Ministry of Interior uh, to know who's who and all of that. Apparently, they knew who I am. Uh, I look like my dad. They know who my dad is. And uh, uh, they knew who the, the, the girls and the mother with me. And, uh, and then we reached to safety. And then uh, the, the, the minister of uh, interior, Sheikh uh, Ali Sabah, uh, he's a friend of my father. Uh, he's from the royal family, and he put us in the oil and the Arab American Oil Company residence for one day until we go to Riyadh and the capital of Saudi Arabia to get our papers back. And uh, went to Riyadh, um, the mother and the three kids, and then uh, her husband came from Egypt. He was in Cairo because people who were outside Kuwait when the invasion happened, they couldn't come in, of course. Um, I decided to go to Bahrain. Uh, uh, it's a little bit more freedom for me. I couldn't stay in Saudi Arabia that long. Uh, I didn't know anybody. I went to Bahrain. I know lots of friends in Bahrain. I stayed in Bahrain. And then followed with uh, uh, the mother and the kids came there too. And, uh, and at that point, when I was in Bahrain, I contacted Humboldt State and I said, I want to come back. Uh, Mrs. Jewell, she was the international student uh, uh, counselor. I want to come back. Please send me my I-20. And, uh, and then she goes, oh, I'm glad you're okay. I'll send you the I-20. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then she, the I-20, which is for the foreign uh, students to come to the States to study. Couple of weeks later, I got the I-20. Kuwait was liberated uh, around uh, February 26th, one day after uh, the day of independence of Kuwait. So now Kuwait, they have two days of, uh, to celebrate, 25th of February and 26th of February. Independence from England, 1961, and liberation from Iraq on the 26th. And uh, went to Kuwait. I saw the disaster. I saw the highway of death between uh, between the north of Kuwait to uh, southern Iraq, Basra. And uh, by June of 1991, I was back right here in California, in Humboldt. Right
that was quite the uh quite the year of uh uh yeah. between i mean you must have been in 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 what a year going back in 1991 uh what you had been through um you know you're you're bringing that back to you it must have, you know you uh that must be quite the experience to come back and and you're probably seeing the u.s with different eyes i can imagine right or you're seeing everything with different eyes um yeah you know after 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 you see that you uh, remember uh kuwait was liberated by the united states of america mm -hmm. by the u.s-led coalition mm -hmm. uh, thank you for saudi arabia for opening their land for the americans to because you know, how rigid and tough they are. But the, the United States is, is, is my country. Even, I wasn't even a, a citizen or anything like that. But the two important countries in my life, Kuwait was raped by Saddam Hussein, and then the U.S. come and liberates Kuwait. Perfect scenario for me. The two countries I love. <laughs> Wonderful. I still do. So, so that, that's, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's where we are. And uh, so I came back and uh, went back to school and I finished school. Uh, I came in, in June of 1991. I graduated in 1993 uh, in political science. Man, if I if I could just ask you just to kind of change directions just a bit, just in terms of you know big picture perspective uh, in your life and everything. If you, if you hadn't traveled, which is hard to separate from you, but say you never went to live in England, your dad didn't take you so many places anyways, or at least wouldn't have in your teen years, and you were you know kind of growing up more without the travel experience, and you were still back in Kuwait. I mean. What would your life be like then compared to now? I mean, would what would you what do you think your view would be of the world? Uh, your kind of sense of uh, sense of the world perspective on yeah. life. Uh, very, very. You know, thank you, Greg, because that's a very interesting question, and I and I have to say, uh, people who travel, uh, they're fortunate. Uh, because they get that opportunity. If, uh, traveling is not that easy. It's not. It's not, It's uh, it's expensive. It's, it needs courage uh, to, to uh, absorb other cultures, uh, to understand, to melt in that society, and you know, try to understand who they are, uh, and uh, I I think. I think I reached a point uh, because of traveling. Let, let me go the, the opposite from sure. not traveling at all. I think because traveling, uh, you know, I it makes me just love the map behind you. you see the map behind you. To me, this is my world. Uh, I believe I, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a world citizen. You know. Uh, but say I didn't, and I, and now I see it. You know, uh, I see it through uh, social media. Uh, how narrow-minded people can be. 
they think this is it. This is who we are. And there's nothing beyond. And uh, it's not their fault. They just didn't get the chance to see the world. And if I was, if I was a Kuwaiti who never traveled outside Kuwait, didn't have that chance, I would think that uh, I would have, you know, a, a narrow mind uh, view of the world. Uh, if you are not Muslim, then you're not uh, good. If you're not uh, Arab uh, or Kuwaiti, you're, uh, you're different than us. And, and that's, uh, that can be a very, very serious thing for our world. Uh, remember here, I mean, here in Humboldt, I know people that have never been outside Humboldt. And their only access is Fox News or CNN or whatever uh, direction they, uh, they need to take, you know, and, and, and think of. And I, I, and I think uh, uh, I really don't want to think uh, I can, you know, I'm a person, can I stay in one place, in one culture, in one mind? I, I love people. I love cultures. I love uh, all kind of, um, of societies and uh, the way they think is acceptable to me. Uh, uh, as long as uh, everything is peaceful between us. Well, you know, man, I could just talk to you for all day, man. It's uh, really rich with with stories and and life and perspective and and so much of it through your worldliness. I mean, I'm not just saying that. It's really, you know, you know, you are a man of the world and. You know, I do have a map behind me, and when you see that, I think you you see things that uh, a lot of people won't won't see. And it, it, there's a there's a, a depth there, and a richness, and an excitement about life. And and so, what we would love to do, if you'd be so inclined, would be to have you back again uh, on another show, just to ex start exploring some other topics. You know, some of the array of of possibilities with you, and uh, would love to invite you back as our guest if you'd be so willing. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, uh, just just before we finish, uh, I just want to say, uh, remember that remember that woman was with the kids. Uh, say again. Yeah, yeah. Remember? I was going to ask you about what what ended up yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah. What happened yeah. to them? That mother uh, with the kids. The mother is my wife for the past ten years. Wonderful. So, so that's the that's the shift to fate. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, she was she was uh, involved. Uh, I was uh, trying to go back to the states, and then in 2010, when my father died, uh, we connected, and she was no longer married. And uh, I went to Kuwait and I went to her father and I asked for her hand. And we've been married since then. That's Sam. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Greg, well, that's Sam. That well, hello to Sam and uh, look forward to hopefully meeting her one day. <laughs> I mean, actually, I know we'll meet her. So. Uh, yes, you will. You will. She's coming yeah. after Ramadan in, in May. Well, 
Welcome to Sam. We look forward to <laughs> getting to know her more as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it was really a uh, uh, pleasure to meet Bob. And uh, I was happy to share uh, some of the things I lived and seen. And uh, hopefully we can do this again. Thanks so much, Man. And, and we learned a lot from you and for folks listening, um, you know, this was a really powerful episode, I think. And this, what we're trying to do here is open people's minds, open people's eyes to the world, uh, telling transformative stories uh, of travel, um, of life, really. And uh, for those of you uh, listening and kind of thinking about maybe taking a, 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 a trip, a transformative trip, I know it's been a, a long time since a lot of us have you know, gotten um, out given given where we've been in the last year or so. But, um, you know, Greg's organizing some really interesting, powerful trips to East Africa. And um, those of you interested, you know, go to matamo.travel, M-E-T-A-M-O dot travel. And you can check out some of those uh, trips that, that Greg is doing. And, uh, you know, leaving it with, I, I think you, you said it so eloquently, Mon, is, you know, you can't imagine um, I'm paraphrasing, but you couldn't imagine not having traveled and seen the, the, uh, the world. Um, and I think that's something I want to leave folks with is, um, you know, kind of capturing the world as a world citizen, you know? So thank you so much, Mon, for being on the show. My pleasure. Wonderful. Thanks again. Take you care. Bet. Okay. Bye-bye. Now.